Hello, fight fans. Welcome back to the Shout Out Fight Podcast. How are you doing today? It is Friday, September 22nd, and I waited till Friday to deliberately do this until we watch the big Rod Tang and Superlect fight. Before we talk about any of that stuff, I do want to wish my sister Robin a happy birthday. It is her birthday today, so happy birthday, Robin. And my cub, it's his birthday tomorrow, so happy birthday, cub. I know you don't listen to this and nor should you, but, but happy birthday, young man. Maybe when I'm 100 years old and you find this podcast, you'll at least remember, hey, he did wish me a happy birthday. <laughs> um, okay, this podcast, guys, Sensei Lyle Cheney from Red Deer. But before we get there, did you guys watch the big fight this morning? Oh, my goodness. Rod Tang versus Superlek. Wow. Um, let me tell you, one championship is like, is like a, a, a men's soap opera for me. <laughs> Just uh, all these things, you know, fights always getting changed. I know I've said this before too, but fights always getting changed and, you know, uh, someone doesn't make weight. It's no longer a title fight. They got sick. That guy's going to fight that guy. He's out of the tournament. We're going to do a million-dollar tournament? No, we're not. <laughs> it's just it's just crazy. And uh, this one was no different, right? I mean, it was already... Now, they keep calling this the biggest fight in 50 years. Take it easy. Since like what would that be like like nineteen seventy something? Take it easy. Anyway, not saying it's not a mega fight for sure, but uh, anyway, man, this so this was obviously a big fight. We've been waiting for this one for a long time. Um, Rod Tang, you know, has kind of been fighting. It, it's almost like I said in the last podcast, maybe feeling a little protected, you know. But but hey, it's time, right? These guys had to go. Now, I predicted Superlek to win, and he did. Wait. Wait, oh, I should have had this ready, hey? <laughs> Didn't quite hit as hard because I wasn't ready, but hey, you get the idea. Uh, now, here's the funny part. So let's talk about this fight real quick. So I just put on the Instagram, the Shadow Podcast Instagram, a picture of Superlek winning and saying, do you agree with the decision? Half the people sent me that, that sent me messages were like, well, you don't? Are you dumb? <laughs> I didn't say I don't. I just said, do you agree? Uh, and the other half, it wasn't like they were they were like, yes, of course, blah, blah, they, um, you know, Rod Tang won, oh my goodness, robbery or whatever. But but it was more of like, I'm a little bit confused. How does that work? Because uh, it looked like overall, Rod Tang won the fight. And I agree. Um, rounds one and three, I thought uh, Rod Tang won. And round three, I still hear a lot of people thinking Superlek won, but man, he, he, was, he didn't even look tired. He was. He was clearly tired. He was off balance. He was kind of pushing... You know, he landed some good knees for sure, but uh, I'm no judge. I sometimes pretend to be one, but this morning I was a fight fan, and to me, Rod Tang won round one and three. Now, round two was super lek because he got the knockdown, and again, was that knockdown even legit? Just, oh, more drama, more drama. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of 50-50 on it. Probably not, to be honest. He got up real quick, but I don't know. I don't know. Who cares? We can talk about that later. So, super lek gets a 10-8 round. Uh, because of the knockdown. So 10-9, he wins around in the knockdown 10-8, which makes it a draw um, at the end of this. So so two rounds, Rod Tang, and one round to uh, Superlek, but because of the 10-8 round, it's, it's kind of like, you know, he, he wins two rounds. So uh, we have a draw, but one championship doesn't have draws. Um, so you got to pick a winner. So the scoring, I know when you look at Superlek now, he's got some brand new fresh Muay Thai tattoos and some big ones on his head and his face. But the criteria for that doesn't score as high in a tiebreaker as a, a knockdown. Um, you know, it, it, if it's a tie, knockdown means more than damage. 
if there was no knockdown and it still ended up a draw somehow, then I would, I would imagine damage would be the next criteria because there's no knockdowns. In that case, Rotang would win. And shout out to Fight Record too um, on Instagram. Just having a little back and forth lately. Um, that's how they wrote it. That's how I see it. And um, yeah, just awesome either way. Great, great fight. It lived up to what everybody was hoping it would be. And the cool part is, I always thought this too, like, so with the weight change and the, the, the knockdown, not knockdown, and the cuts on his face, and, you know, it feels like we wanted some questions answered in this fight. And to be honest, it feels like we have more questions now than answers. And I think that's awesome. <laughs> it just sets up a proper fight now because, you know, Superlek came in five pounds overweight. So it's a non-title fight. I guess uh, Rod Tang's camp requested uh, three rounds after that, which uh, the CEO of one championship, uh, Chatri Sityatong said was a strategic error. Superlek was tired. Could he have even gone two more rounds? I got no idea. Now, Superlek came in five pounds overweight. Now, I'm no um, Calvin Klein underwear model, but it looked like it, it looked like there was five pounds that somehow could have come off just, just by looking at his frame. So um, Chatri says they're, there's going to be a rematch and they're going to find a proper nutritionalist for Superlek and they're going to make it five rounds and they're going to do it again. So really, when you look at how the fight went and the decision and all that good stuff, oh, it just sets up for a huge mega fight. Yes, yes, can't wait. Um, also, also, I am now the owner of 20 new dollars. I bet Mr. Phil Lear 20 bucks on this fight. He took Rod Tang. I took Super, I, I took Super Lek, so <laughs> I, win, I, I, I win the 20 bucks, but let me tell you, Super Lek sure had to, you know, Earn that, earn my 20 bucks. My goodness, that was a hard one. So, uh, yes, stoked. Because let me tell you, the rest of my predictions were slightly off. Uh, the other fight I want to talk about real quick, <clears throat> there's a couple good ones on here. Sorry, guys. Was uh, Tyson Harrison, uh, John Wayne Noy, some big, big guy, Australian guy who fought, you know, sex sound like a, you know, they had a fight of the year or whatever it was, or performance of the night, something like that. Anyway, very, very... Crazy fighter, right? Very active, loves to brawl. Anyway, he's fighting Kulabdan, and Kulabdan uh, uh, starts off early, gets inside, tags him to the body, tags him up to the head, and uh, halfway through the round, maybe even less, you start seeing Tyson's, the right side of Tyson's face, you know, his kind of forehead, temple, eye, cheek area, start to balloon out, and you're like, oh, no. Because uh, Harrison stopped fighting back. He, he, he just kind of covered up, you know, and would grab on and clinch. He wasn't doing anything. And so you're thinking, oh boy, he's he's either rocked and trying to get his bearings straight here, which are clearly all over the place because he was doing nothing. Good defense, but but he couldn't do anything else. Um, or is he injured? You know, like really bad. So first first round ends. They go back to the corner. Uh, Tyson Harrison does not answer the bell for round two, and then just gets out of the ring and off he goes. So you're like, oh man, that's got to be he's he's something's wrong clearly. And then you look at his Instagram. And he says that the first body shot he took from Kulabdam, he full-on shit himself. <laughs> and you could tell in his Instagram, he's like, what, what, what am I going to do? I can't fight, man. Like, I full-on shit myself from the first body punch. Like, I can't, I can't do anything. I can't continue. So, you know, off I go. <laughs> Hopefully they run that one back. Boy, that's uh, shitty, hey? Ha, ha, ha. I should have something here. Oh, okay. Okay, I thought it was good. Anyway, okay, we get it. We get it. Thanks. Um, anyway, all right. And there's some other, a bunch of other good fights in there too. 
Um, so make sure you watch that card. My, besides that fight, great card. Sex and fighting, Prajin Chai fighting. You know, it was a good one. All right. <clears throat> you know what's next. Before we go anywhere, if you can do me a quick favor, if you could just like the podcast real quick on any and all of your social medias, if you could, uh, you know, if you wanted to go one step further and share and help me spread the word of the Spread It On, the Shout Out Fight podcast, write a little ditty. Uh, I'd really appreciate that. And, of course, uh, in the words of my man, B. Kong, only the real ones subscribe. So do me a favor, be a real one, and make sure you subscribe. If you don't listen, make sure you subscribe to the Shout Out Podcast. And, of course, five stars. This is a five-star podcast. There's no other stars. This is a five-star podcast. How do you know? Well, this is the second one this week. And not only is it the second one this week, we made. I waited till Friday to talk about the big fight and... On this one, we have Sensei Lyle Chini from Chini Karate Studios in Red Deer. Uh, boy, let me tell you, my my youthful martial arts journey has a lot to do with Sensei Lyle and the scene and tournaments. And anyway, I I was really excited to do this one. And he's a pretty intense individual, and he'll uh, he'll tell you what he thinks. He has no problem. So I have no problem telling you that I had to really work up some courage. I've been waiting. It might it might be a year that I was sort of like, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Should I ask him? I don't know if it's his thing. And, but uh, uh, here we are. So uh, I worked up the courage, guys. I did it. I did it. That's worth five stars, right? So it hit me up with a five-star. Uh, yeah, five stars. I'd appreciate anything else, anything less. You're just being a hater. Don't, don't be a hater. Wait till you're having a good day. It's Friday today. We just come off some good fights. It is a good day. So let's make sure we hit uh, the Shuttle Podcast with a five stars. I appreciate that. Okay, guys, in this one, we have Sensei Lyle Chini. Now, I keep saying Sensei Lyle. I could call him Lyle or whatever, but here's the funny thing. You know, like your uncle and aunt, at least if you're an adult, it's weird to call them by their first name without, like, you know, hey, Uncle Gary or hey, Auntie Susie. You know what I mean? Hey, Susie. Hey, Gord. You know, it's weird. It's weird to use their f- first names. I always call my uncles and aunts, you know, Uncle and Aunt. And in this case, Sensei Lyle is no different. I can't, I have a hard time calling him Lyle. It's, it's Sensei Lyle to me. I just, I grew up like that. And I looked up to this guy. I listened to, there was a couple of hard, hardcore martial artists around here. Not all that long ago, but long enough ago, you know, 25, 30 years ago when I was just coming up as a, you know, young buck, a teenager, 13, 14 years old, you know, uh, um, um, anyway, Sensei Lyle, I was going to name a bunch of names, but I just realized I'm so old. I'll get through two three and then i'll forget all the other i'm sorry but i you know mike bondy gary vig lyle cheney gill of fantasy brian parks uh dwight Shear, uh uh man, like see i knew that stuff was gonna happen i mean mike miles geez uh wolfgang um you know just just when i was when i was a youngster uh i'm sorry i'm sorry guys i, I know there's a i knew this would happen see geez i should have just left it alone anyway um Sensei, since I always think of like we talk a lot in this one about like the, the point fighting days, but back in the day, like you know, you tried not to hurt each other, kinda, but you didn't really care if you did. If it was a clean shot, it was a clean shot. Aren't you a black belt? Okay, well, are you hurt? You can't continue. Oh, I'm sorry, man. Like, I mean, not that people didn't get disqualified. It was it was good hard striking karate. Like I I know. Listen, I teach karate too, and I, I definitely I know that karate now today martial arts today is different. You know, everybody says oh it was different back in the day, but you know, martial arts is no different. And uh, these are hard, those, like a lot of those names I, I was, you know, you know, Gary, Mike, Lyle, Gill, oh man, you know, see, see what I mean? It's always like that, that core Mike Miles, those, those, I always think of those guys. I know there's a few more. I mean, uh, 
Uh, Mark Burzak. I mean, how can I forget that? Although a little before my time. I'm, not, I'm sorry, guys. But but I, I always, I, I mean, for the hardcore, I'm sorry if I didn't mention your name. I, I, I apologize. But around my scene, it was always those same, that same group. And, and they were always winning and always kicking ass. They were just winning. They were kicking your ass. And uh, they look good doing it. And out of that group, um, Sensei Lyle was to me the most like sort of intense. You know, he, like he was definitely shorter than the rest of the group. Uh, uh, I'm a short guy too, so he was always someone that I looked to. Like the tall guy doesn't always win, and he's the guy proving it. And spin kicks and jump kick, yeah, and just just I I've seen him fold, and I, I don't even know how many people whether it's been like jump kicks to the belly or reverse, you know, you know, like a cross you'd call it, like reverse punch or backhand straight punch. Uh, to to the guts. I mean, uh, roundhouse kicks to the head, spinning hook kick to the head. Like, I have seen him smash so many good black belts in my youth, and 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 into my my early adulthood that I was like, wow, man. Like, I, th- this was someone I really watched and paid his forms, sword forms, and it was awesome. I like all that stuff still. And uh, I, I when I always think of Sensei Lyle, I think of in no disrespect, Sensei. We always think this, but it's the haircut. But for me. It's the blue gi top and the, the black pants. And uh, if I had to go one step further, if there was no gi top, it was a, uh, a Chini martial arts uh, tank top. <laughs> anyway, I just, uh, I, I, was, I was looking forward to doing this. And uh, let me tell you, I wanted this to be a 17-hour podcast. When, when, I, I have, when you look back on your youth and how things were, what happened to that guy? Remember that situation? What happened then? And, oh, I didn't know that, like... All these, you have so many questions. Now it's been so many years, and I've never got to sit down and talk to Sensei Lyle like this, like pretty much ever. And uh, again, this is such such a cool part of doing this podcast, right? Um, so I, I I tried what I, I I try not to take more than one hour of people's time because I understand that you're taking time out of your day to do this for me in the podcast. And yeah, I, I get it. You get to tell your story and stuff, but the reality is, I understand that. You know, I, I appreciate you taking the time out of my day. So I don't want to take out more than an hour. I do. I really do want to take more than an hour. But, you know, don't don't be like that, Jason. So so I, I tried my hardest to fit in everything I could. I mean, my mind my mind was racing like, hey, I, like, you know, you want it to be like, I don't even know how to explain it, like a kid talking to almost like a, like your older brother or, or something, you know, like, hey, do you remember? Do you remember when that? Do you remember that? What, you know, what what happened? You know, oh, oh, remember, remember that guy? Remember those guys had that thing, and and then you won, but they thought he was gonna win. Remember that? Oh, like I didn't say I wasn't, I wasn't like that, but but you want to be like all these things. What happened to that guy? Hey, remember when you did that? Like I remember, like uh, Chris Farley from Saturday Night Live. Hey, you you remember when you threw that jump spinning back kick and uh, that guy didn't get back up? Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> like. I want to have so many of those moments. The, the thoughts were just going through my mind of picking up, well, let's let's say I met Sensei Lyle when I was 15. You know, that's a lot. That's 100 years of like sort of questions and scenarios and events and wins and losses and injuries and, you know, like, anyway, what I'm trying to say is I, I squeezed everything I could into an hour, but I wanted it to be way longer. Talking to the old school martial artists, my history, this really is sort of my history. Not that I was not that I was a student per se of Sensei Lyle. I did a lot of seminars with him where he would come and teach uh, at, the, at the gym I trained at, uh, Black Dragon back in the day. Shout out to Sensei Gillo Fantasy. Um, you talk about fight cards, you go to fight events, you have a couple beers, you sit down and talk, and it's just, you know, it's a... Uh, 
Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Anyway, so these things for me to, so are, are really cool. I get to go back. I get to talk my history and, and kind of maybe like answer some questions I've always had. Anyway, I'm just rambling on here. I really appreciate uh, Sensei Lyle coming and doing this. And, uh, man, God, this, this is one, one of the ones I was looking forward to the most. All right, guys, Sensei Lyle Chini, let's go. Welcome back, fight friends, to the Shuttle Fight Podcast. I am sitting beside, I'm, I'm, I can guarantee a Canadian legend, but a, definitely from my point of view as a young man, Alberta martial arts legend, Sensei Lyle Chini. Sensei Lyle, thanks for doing this today, man. I really appreciate it. No, my pleasure. Uh, right off the bat, I'm not going to lie. So I did one with Gil, I don't know, maybe a year ago now? I can't oh, remember yeah. anymore. But uh, I, I totally admit, you're a very intense individual. I'm sure you know that. And uh, I've been trying to sum up the courage, get the courage to ask you for a long time. <laughs> I finally did. <laughs> yeah. We've known each other for a long time. We go way back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so, first of all, we're in Red Deer Chini Karate, Zen Karate, and Kickboxing School. Can you give us a... Um, I'm 41 now. I, I was, I've been here as a teenager, this exact gym. Can you give us a, a little breakdown of the gym itself here that we're uh, sitting in? Uh, as far as how long it's been going? Yeah, and operation and all that good stuff. Sure. Well, I began my training uh, back in the mid-70s, 1975. Um, I started training in Taekwondo. And got my black belt, uh, first black belt in 1982. And at that time, uh, you know, I was always here seeing this kickboxing. I wanted to be a kickboxer. That was my, my goal. Uh, so I started training with a school in Red Deer in, in about 1984 doing karate and kickboxing. Okay. And ended up getting my, my black belt in karate as well. And then ended up leaving, leaving Taekwondo and basically dedicating myself to, to karate and kickboxing. Sorry, um, I'm sorry, was this all in Alberta here? Right. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I started my training out in Pinoka at a, at a branch school of a club in Edmonton. Okay. And uh, then, um, actually, so when in, uh, to back up, uh, I got my black belt in Taekwondo in, in 1982, and in 83, uh, my instructor, he uh, ended up having to leave to go to the States to pursue his education. So hmm. I, being the only other black belt, it was either I take over the club or the club shuts down. So I started, I started teaching uh, there in 1983, was teaching Taekwondo, and then I started doing karate and kickboxing. Eventually left the Taekwondo and switched over to just to doing karate and kickboxing. Hmm. And have been sort of doing that ever since. And then, you know, over the years, progressed to training in Muay Thai. And there are several other things. Done some jiu-jitsu in the early yeah. 90s, things like that. Nice. Uh, um, why Taekwondo? Just out of curiosity, how did you find Taekwondo first? You know, I was just a little kid. Uh, there was an ad in the paper. And uh, I always had a fascination with, uh, there was a show on, used to be called Kung Fu. Really <laughs> old show. I used to watch that. And then I would Kung Fu my Snoopy for hours and hours sure. <laughs> afterwards. And it's always had a fascination with it. And you know, I was always small, got picked on in school a little bit. Sure. So it kind of had a, a, a need for it and, and a desire to do it as well. I had an interest, but also it, it certainly helped you know, with being bullied. Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Any other sports as a young man? Uh, I, I skied. Okay. Things like that. But I wasn't really interested in sports. Uh, yeah. You know, it turned out I became quite athletic, but I was never good at sports. Um, you know, didn't enjoy them. I enjoyed individual things. Right, right. And the martial arts was perfect. Yeah, for sure. How long, uh, how long did you train in Taekwondo for? Uh, from 75 till I left in uh, 83, 80, or okay. 83, 84, I guess. I left in 84. I see. Okay, yeah. okay. Now, how does, I did, I did Taekwondo for, I mean, I, I was a teenager for a year. 
how are you, can you just decide, like, is there, is there a process of leaving Taekwondo? I don't know. I know it's quite like a, an international organization. Yeah, it was, uh, well, there, there, was, there was lots of bad blood. I see. Um, I was, I was not, Often, to be honest. Yeah, I was not happy with the way I was being treated. And uh, hmm. to make a long story short, I was, I was a 17-year-old boy in school, and they, they told me that my schoolwork was not as important as my commitment to them, and I needed to be places, uh, you know, and, and uh, my parents and I talked about it and they said, you know, if you're a, a young boy and, and they're, they're telling you that, you know, things they want you to do is more important than, you know, going to school or studying, then perhaps you need to leave yeah, it. Yeah, that'll do it. And, uh, you know, never never look back. And even with my students now, you know, training's important, but we, we emphasize people having to do well in school, you know, work hard, and, you know, martial arts has to come second to their right. education. Right, real life first. That's what even exactly. what I tell, exactly. what I tell uh, adults who feel bad, you know, I'm sorry I can't train, or I'm sorry I can't have a fight. Oh, what's wrong? Real life got in the way? And like, well, it is what it is, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. My, my real life might be different than their real life. Um, now, karate, so was karate just, just like something you picked up, like, mm, I don't know, that, that club is open, or did you have a, a, a love for karate or, or a well, eye on it? Well, fr- I had friends, mutual friends, that they had been training karate for quite a while while I was doing taekwondo, so a couple of us, you know, we had friends, and, and they invited me to come down and, and watch their school and, and watch the club, and then uh, um, started participating um, in, in actually the Western Canadian Karate Championships, um, which is what I've, I've been running it since 1987. Right, right. This was back in 19... 19- I guess probably 1984, I participated in my first one, and huh. uh, it was an open tournament, which we hadn't seen many of those. Uh, they, they had them in the early 70s, but, uh, you know, it was, it was quite, quite an experience and uh, did well and enjoyed it. Nice. And, uh, you know, then joined the club, and, uh, yeah, from there, uh, the club we were training with eventually had to shut down. Uh, for There was some, some controversy, so myself and another one of the black belts, we ended up taking over the school here in Red Deer, and okay. we, we ran it together for a couple of years, and then... We ended up uh, deciding to go our separate ways, and so the, the fellow that was running with Mark Burzak, uh, he, he was, you know, he knew well who that is. Yes, sir. He, he, we, <laughs> he went one way, I went another way. He started Rashido, and, and I did my thing. Right, so. right. Nice, nice. So, uh, and you guys started in karate together, sorry? Or was uh, Mark, Mark already Mark training? was in karate before me, but I, 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 I started training before he did. I know, see, so, I see. Yeah. I got you. But yeah, he started several several years before I did. Nice. And were you, com- uh, what, what age were you at this point? Uh, would have been uh, 17. 17. Yeah. So were you highly competitive at that age? I know as an adult, you were, uh, me personally, I know you as an adult, you were very competitive. Were you, did you find that, was it always yeah, like that? I competed right from about 1976 on. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, and, okay. And so I competed as much as I could in Taekwondo. Once I started doing karate and kickboxing, then, you know, there's, there was many more opportunities to compete and, and of course, a, a wider variety of things to do. And, uh, and then my, I had my first kickboxing fight in uh, 1980, I think 1985. Sorry, one sec here. Oh, sorry, the guys messed with my headphones. Sorry, one more time. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was just talking about that, Mark, if you guys started around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So he started karate a little bit before I did, but I, I started training probably a little bit before he did. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, uh, then we got to be good friends, uh, you know, training in the same club, and, and right. uh, you know, we trained together for, for many many fights. Uh, he he was one of the most tenacious, wicked kickboxers around at the time. Right. It's a, he 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 wasn't given the opportunities maybe that he that he should have been. You know, nor were some of us that were kind of out on our own. Uh, but yeah, he was he was an amazing fighter. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Mark Burzak. I I, I mean. I'll, I'll tell a funny quick story, but obviously when you always hear about your teachers, teachers and their legends and their wizards and they can fly and, you know, and, and of course as a young man, you believe it and why wouldn't you? And, uh, you hear all these stories about Mark Berzak and then, uh, he came to train one day and shout out to Mike Bondi. My instructor invites me down and says, uh, you know, Hey, look, we're, we're, you know, come train, but you know, you know, you know, like, okay, whatever. And, uh, Hey, so uh, we're going to spar. And I'm like, Oh boy, I can already see where this is going. 
And then, well, should we like warm up? Nope, let's just get our gear. And I'm like, oh man, that's exactly what a savage would say. <laughs> and so Mike's starting to strap on gear and he just quietly goes, keep moving, don't get hit. I'm like, what? Keep moving, don't get hit. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is not going to go good. And uh, funny enough, he was, uh, he was super polite, but I remember even just the foam gear fumbling it like crazy, trying to put it on, so scared. And uh, yeah, he, he was very, very nice, of course, but that was my first time ever meeting Mark Burzak. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have a story past that. Nothing happened. He was great. He was friendly and everything. But oh, yeah. Fantastic whole, guy. I, I genuinely was like, man, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. I just don't know if I am. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll get some, some good pictures and some good video from the old days. Right, right. So now, I, if I, I could be getting this, this wrong, it is history, but was it almost like karate and kickboxing at the same time? Like, like did you come, was it kickboxing separate? Like Mark Burzak was obviously very good at karate and kickboxing, but how did how did and yourself but how did that come about like was it in the same gym were you guys doing kickboxing yeah. on your own how yeah did, there how was did... two different classes they had of course the karate program and they had the kickboxing I program see. Okay, you know okay. much much like i still run now right right um and of course like i said i always wanted to, to be a kickboxer i saw i saw benny Urquidy's and and uh you know I saw, I saw this guy knocking people out with jump spinning back kicks and things like that that you know at the time a lot of the other kickboxers you'd see them come out they would throw they had to throw eight kicks per round right and they some of them would come out and throw eight pathetic terrible kicks and then just slug and box right. for the whole round and you know but you saw somebody like benny the jet who good technique and he was making these techniques cut people in half like like they're, they're meant to be able to do nice so you happen to mention uh ben yorkita's and jump spinning back kick just going back in my own history is that where your jump spinning back kick comes from is legendary well not from benny but from taekwondo for sure yeah you know, um, you know I, I was a, a quite a good kicker good jumper good you know spinner yes when i went from taekwondo to karate i really had to learn to use my hands because i got beat up a lot right um, you know I, I could kick anybody's head right off but i had terrible hands so that took a number of years to work on that um you know trained with a number of different people and and slowly it slowly evolved um one of the, the probably the, the greatest influences I've had is I, I got to be fortunate enough to spend a lot of time training with uh, Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham Shout out to him, Edmonton. Yeah. Legend. And, uh, he, he basically changed everything around. Uh, much of the system that I still use today is based on, on what he taught. And of course, he went to uh, become a student of Benny the Jet and been right. living down in LA ever since. Right, right. Do you still get to contact Peter Cunningham? From time to time. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, we that's great. chat a little bit, but uh, yeah, not, not as much over the years. Sure, sure, of course. But uh, yeah, the system that, that he showed me was the basis for most of what I've done. And then, of course, over the years, you know, things around here have evolved more to Muay Thai, and so a person has to, you know, to learn, the, learn that method as well. Yeah, yeah, which I definitely want to talk about. What I'm, I'm, I'm picking up, what I'm trying to do here is, is replace my history with as you're talking, because I only put that jump spinning back kick thing together, like, whoa, whoa, is that, like, because I've seen you do it a million times and kill yeah. people with it, right? Yeah. So, anyway. Um, <clears throat> um, so, now, kickboxing... When, when was that something you knew you wanted to go and compete in, or was that something you tried first? And, or like, were you going into kickboxing? Oh, well, yeah, I, I, wanna I, I wanted to be a kickboxer. Like nice. I, I, that was the coolest thing at the time. Okay, yeah. You know, we, every time we could get our hands on a video of that, we'd watch it. You know, over and over again. Nice. You know, I knew I wanted to do that. And then uh, the first the first fight that I had, um, I was successful. I got I got cut pretty bad, but I won. Knocked the guy out. And do you then remember one, your opponent's name? Um, Walter Dimmock, I believe. Uh, okay, nice. Yeah, nice good memory. Stampede Corral. I don't even know if the stampede crowd exists anymore, but, <laughs> no. but, uh, yeah, it was, we were, we were warming up in the, in the, uh, you know, in the stables or the horse stables. Oh yeah. And there's nice. hay and stuff like that. And, uh, <laughs> right on. I remember uh, the ring, um, it was, I don't know what, it wasn't a wrestling ring. I don't think, but it might've been, you could only hit three ropes 
And oh, I ended geez. up getting knocked through the ropes and smashed my head on the side of the ring. I had a great big cut bleeding all over the place. Really? But, but again, uh, jump, spinning back kick, uh, and a nice. bunch of kicks to the head, knocked the guy out. And, Beauty. You know, and, and as, as long as you win, you feel better, even if you're that's bleeding. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that, that always helps. Yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds like the good old days, hey? Like, like that's the kind of stuff I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. No, wish I had that one in video. That's one of the only ones that I didn't get to see on video. Nice, nice. Uh, how long did you fight for kickboxing? Um, I fought from 85. The last fight I had was in 1993. Okay. And uh, so I won the Western Canadian title in 1988. Okay. Uh, super lightweight and held that for a while, but I got heavier. And yep. uh, so I couldn't be super lightweight anymore. Um, fought a number of, of, you know, quite notable guys, guys that are still, you know, around Calgary and stuff like that. Uh, and the last, the last time I fought, uh, again, about 1993, and I was ranked, I think, number eight uh, in, by the WK nice. in North America, and then uh, ended up having a terrible traumatic knee injury in 1994, and that ended, you know, ended the ability to fight in the ring anyway. You, are you are you allowed to talk about that on here? Like, oh, sure. What, 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 I just don't assume, you know, if there's yeah. something weird, but what yeah, happened? No, no, one of my students and I were sparring, and he went to do uh, kind of a reap, like a judo throw, and I turned sideways to try and counter that, and my leg got caught, and he just snapped my knee sideways, blew my ACL, and end up having to get that reconstructed, and it was a really, really bad tear of the meniscus and the and the ACL, and then it ended up being fixed. But I've always had to wear a brace on that leg ever since, mm. and so you obviously you can't wear a hard brace in the ring when people like are kicking, kicking your. Oh yeah, you'd love to. You know, <laughs> people kicking your legs, it's it's like having a suit of armor on. So you know, after that, I concentrated on just teaching fighters, and then also I still competed in the open karate circuit for for years and years after that. So that injury stop your your kickboxing career yes oh, yeah. yeah well it's gonna have to i guess right yeah you bet but yeah. you know i still still did a lot of tournaments after that you know for a good probably 20 years after that i guess yeah yeah what um can you tell us i i mean it, when i think of you of course i think kickboxing but i always think of a you a super intense guy i don't know how many people i've seen you fold in open karate tournaments uh I, I always I always think of those people, ah, it's just slapping, it's not real. I'm like, oh, you obviously haven't competed with Lalcini. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of people say that about point fighting, that it's just <clears throat> tag and it's, it's you know, it's, it's it, nothing's real about it. In some cases, it, it is tag, yep. Some, yep. It, but I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a certain type of sport. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's a game of speed, it's a game of who's first. Uh, but I will say that, uh, you know, having, you know, fought, many different types of fighting and also you know I used to work as a doorman at a, a busy rough bar and I also I worked for uh, 20 years as a special counsel with the RCMP I've right. seen a lot of real fights been in a lot of real fights and one thing that I that I can tell you almost 100 percent is that the person who can land the first blow almost always wins really you know, hey you know so for one who ever can land the, the first good one usually they win and you know so point fighting if you you know in traditional martial arts teaches you to be first teaches you to be fast so you know, there you go. Anybody who says that that traditional martial arts have no value, they they haven't trained in the right place. That's right. There you go. Dang, those are strong words. I won't forget that. That's well, that's perfect. And th this is evidenced even today uh, in the more modern times. You get guys like say Raymond Daniels, mm -hmm. who's made the transition to you know the ring and to the octagon. That's right. Uh, Wonder Boy Thompson. That's right. Those guys. Michael Venom Page. Cha yeah, champion point fighters in their day. And that's I'll tell right. you, like you wouldn't want to have them play tag with you. Like if they tag you, then that's <laughs> they, right. That's they'd right. Ring your bell bad. And and, and myself too. I, I teach karate. I have karate experience, Muay Thai experience, and, and it's the same. Like I, I find a. Uh, I, under, I understand when you watch videos on YouTube, Muay Thai looks like the injuries because of the power can be more severe and the cuts. I get it. But I'm the most scared when I'm point fighting because when you get caught clean, it's always because you never even saw it coming and yeah. it hurts. It's light. Yeah. Oh, it's brutal. But uh, yeah, and just and just the speed and the panic, you know, like, like yeah, that's hard work for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, no it's, it's, uh, it's highly misunderstood, I think, by, by a lot of people. I agree. I agree. Would you? I'm just gonna guess. Would you, Would you say you've been in 
over 400 point fighting tournaments? Yeah, that I would say over. Like that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of kind of lost count over the years. I've kept sure. I've tried to keep stuff from from most of them and and you know many many trophies and and, and things like that. But uh, yeah, probably that sounds about right. Nice in the hundreds anyway. Sure. So and I'm assuming that you've you've had some experience fighting my instructors Gary Fig, Mike Bonney and stuff just oh. curious now that now that I they see they get to tell, tell stories about each other but I've never actually sat with anyone that's like what's it like fighting these guys can you let us in on that what's it like fighting you know my instructors you know uh, I don't know if I ever got to spar Mike I can't remember anymore but Gary and I did because we were closer to the same size and right. actually you know taught both of them for a little bit nice um, and uh, yeah no Gary extremely good extremely natural flexible strong right uh, you know um one of, the, one of these people that you could show him something once, he could do it. He could do it better than you could. Yes. Yes, I agree. That was, you know, and, and uh, I think the last time we ever got to really spar each other would have been, it, actually, I know exactly when it was. It was 1997. Wow, okay. Uh, Gil of Fantasy's Tournament in Calgary. Yeah, I remember that. Because I... I Your I shoulder. Yes, I charged him, and I, and I blitzed him, he, and he ridge-handed me, and, and, and I went down, I, and tried to roll, and broke my shoulder. So yeah, Oh, was that a, was the fight? Yeah, that was the one. Yeah, no so. way! Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And, and how's that, by the way? How's your shoulder? Oh, it's been good. They, they put it right back together. Beauty. That's fantastic. Didn't need 20-something surgeries? Or nothing uh, like no, just one. Like. Just one. Yeah. <laughs> nice, but nice. No, Gary, very slick. And Mike Bonney's very good, too. I just, we just didn't really get to compete. But Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and maybe to, maybe now, I'm not sure. But back in the day, there was no wins. It was shortest to tallest. And Mike Bonney is very tall. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Cool. And that's how they usually separate lightweight heavyweight. So yeah. for those who don't know, obviously. Um, who would you say were... were did you have any fun rivalries? Like I, I'm not, I'm not asking to throw anyone under the bus. I'm not looking for that kind of thing. But did you have any good competitive rivalries or fight fight somebody very often? It was very close. Somebody you maybe look forward to in the point fighting scene around here. Or um, geez, there somebody was, who brought it up. It, you know, was, for it was always the same guys. Um, you know, with, you know, same 20, 30 people that would go to tournaments and stuff like that. Um, you know, there there were so many good ones. I remember I always joked, uh, uh, Mr. Brian Parks out of Regina. Oh, yeah. uh, Brian's a bit older than me, but was training a bit longer. But Brian, um, he, he I, it was a funny thing. It's like, whenever you fight Brian, you're going to bleed. You Is that right, eh? You're going to bleed. And it's like, and it was always true. Like, even if I would win, I would bleed. You know, it's Is like, that right? Yeah. I only ever saw him do one thing at a, like once at a tournament. It was right near the end. So I, again, someone who I, I get to hear all these legendary stories about. Yeah, no, he was extremely good. And, uh, you know... Uh, short stocky and extremely powerful very fast and and i think some sometimes people didn't uh they didn't they didn't, didn't realize what they're getting themselves into they, right you know, but, uh, <laughs> right on but yeah there's there's uh, a number of people that, that were so good you know for point fighting but uh you know the names i'll, I'll remember later sure. when i'm sleeping that's I right <laughs> wake up yeah <laughs> What, um, where have you competed as far as like, uh, uh, when you kind of think of, you know, I've seen you, you've competed in Vegas and obviously a lot of other places. Um, is there any memories when, when I think of the point fighting circuit, um, is there, is there any that stand out for you? It was like a memory, like, man, we had a really good time going and fighting here. Um, well, I guess the biggest one I've competed in, uh, would have been the diamond nationals in Minneapolis. And that's about a 3000 person tournament. Um, with 3000 point fighting, 36 rings going at the same time. Like that's um, what jujitsu sounds like nowadays. Yeah, that's, that's karate. Yeah, wow. And I think it's probably still that big. Is that right? And that we, we had there was guys there like the the, one, the ones again we saw in Black Belt magazine. You know, Steve uh, Nasty Anderson, right. uh, Jean Frenette, um, you know, all the World Atlantic Karate Team, all the Jean Paul Mitchell Karate Team. You guys that right. are pros that they see get seated in. Um, yeah, they. You know, if you if you think you were good around here, it's like you go there and it's like now you're 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 good, but you're 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 about average. That's right. right. That's right. And then uh, we uh, competed at the World Pro Am in Tacoma a couple times. That was another oh, okay. great great big you know, say a thousand people. 
great big tournament, and that was uh, that was an interesting tournament as well. That that was um, you know more competitors from kind of this end of the country, this was end of the continent, and stuff like that. Yeah, the ones in Minneapolis, that was a, a totally different ball game. What was what was the differences like did that you could that you could see? Um, just you know the 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 point fighting was already at quite an elite level. Like uh, they weren't getting in there banging each other so much as they were they were sophisticated. Like they. You know, Slick footwork. They yeah, they didn't work, waste any energy or anything like that. Like, mm. You know, where you could charge through somebody here, you know, or hit them with power here. Those guys were very difficult to hit and stuff right. like that. You got you had guys like Billy Blanks that was competing, you know, cartwheel kicking people in the head that nobody right. seen, stuff like that. Right. So yeah, that that was that was interesting. And of course, the, the level of, of forms and, and kata was incredible. Like you know, so so good. Like there was people that just specialized in in, in doing kata that didn't ever spar, which I don't really agree with, but. Uh, but, you know, that's what they I did. Agree. So, I mean, their katas were so, so good. And there's still people now that that's all they do is kata. Yeah. But uh, for me, you know, if you're doing traditional martial art, you should do it all. Yes. You might yeah. not be great at everything, but you should participate in everything. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, now, for somebody, I, I, how many, I don't, I don't even know. Would, would you give yourself the same amount of number of, like, uh, street altercations? I don't say street fights. That doesn't sound very nice. Uh, you know, hundreds? Uh, no. <laughs> Being not, a doorman and, you know. Lots. You yeah, know, like, yeah. And then, uh, you know, it was a rough, it was a rough, probably rough place, rough, sure. fun bar, sure. rough bar. Sure. <laughs> but, but being being small, uh, it was a little bit tough being being a bouncer. You had to, I could see that. Sometimes you had to make a reputation for yourself. Right. You right. Set, set an example. So if you set the example the first time, then other people right. learn from it. So. Right. Right. So in in saying that, um, people generally with that kind of personality always go karate forms, you know, cut to that stuff so stupid. But you were also phenomenal at them as well. Uh, now I know you kind of touched on it, like if you're going to be good at one, you're going to be good at you should be good at the other. But for for someone who's so, in my opinion, like fight oriented, wh- where does that passion come from? Because you, you, you're and your students caught as well; they're all beautiful. Um, I'm just curious where that that I, I like it too. Yeah, but I'm just curious where that you comes know, from. I, I found when I started uh, when I started doing karate, I, I had more success. Uh, I was always more intense and powerful, and the karate forms are more more geared towards that. Uh, they yes. you want intensity and, and you know spirit behind them more so that I found the taekwondo they didn't they didn't like the way I did my my kata my forms and they didn't really place a whole lot of emphasis frankly on on doing them correctly anyway uh, where, mm. when the, when I was training anyway it was if you could walk walk through them you know get your way through them and then spar okay then you pass your belt test but sure. but uh, you know so when I started competing in karate I, I had more success and enjoyed it you know and then and you know really honed it and tried to try to get good at it and and uh, but you know one thing like People that, you know, a lot of people say, oh, kata is useless. It has no bearing on any real fighting or any, you know, anything like that. What kata teaches, it teaches people to be precise. And it teaches them to have good technique. And precision and good technique is important in any kind of martial arts, whether it's yeah. Muay Thai, whether it's Jiu-Jitsu, whether it's anything. Yeah. Learning to do good technique is absolutely essential because good technique always works better than bad technique. That's right. There you go. And uh, just just from, the, again, the traditional point of view, I just think if if... If I can see that you're you have good forms, that means you were willing to be patient and put the time in, and you were dedicated to it. Yeah, you're, right. you're dedicated to your craft, yeah. and uh, I appreciate that. Teaches focus, teaches discipline, and again, all those things they, they're important in the ring as well. You know. Yep, I, yep, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, um, so uh, point fighting we touched on. Uh, I wanted there's a couple things here. So how about you as an official? How, when did you start becoming so? Are you are you the longest? Of, current active official around here no uh mike zantek our, our head official he's, he's been at it substantially longer than myself um i started actively refereeing uh kickboxing and then moved on to muay thai i started doing that in 1999 okay, okay and we were at a 
I think it was a Golden Gloves event that Mr. Miles had put on in Calgary. I think they were short on officials, and they asked me if I want to give it a try. And okay, you know, I've done a lot of martial arts refing, uh, you know, for years before that, so I, I tried it out, and then, you know, kept doing it, and uh, nice. they gave me the suit. And there you go, you know, and the tie. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> been doing it ever since, and uh, you know, and then of course. Um, with the advent of going from, say, just straight low kick rules to, to modified Muay Thai, full Muay Thai, you, you know, have to you know, hone your craft, make sure you know the difference. And then within that, different organizations have different rules for the same thing. Right, and, right. Yeah. Um, now, I've seen you from what Instagram and Facebook tell me that you've done a lot of officiating east and west. Um, from your, you, I mean, you're the third man in there. Do you see any differences between e East Canada Muay Thai kickboxing and West Canada? Do you see any differences between them? Um, not really. You know, I think actually here in the West, you know, uh, even though we don't nearly have the population base, we've been, um, you know, cutting edge in, in, you know, first kickboxing and then Muay Thai probably more so than just about anywhere else in the country. Agreed. Um, you know, uh, a lot, a lot of the provinces have been, have been, um, kind of stunted because of their provincial regulations where they weren't allowed to do this. That's right. Ontario was like that for years. Um, Saskatchewan is still like that. Manitoba yep. still like that. Yep. BC was for a long time. BC has been opened up pretty good in the last few years. Uh, right. Alberta has always been, you know, a little bit more free to, to kind of do, do what we wanted to do. Right? Oh, I, I just, I just thought of this. I, I, I've been wondering this question. You, you obviously will know. So now BC is allowing professional Muay Thai, right? Um, do I have that right? I think so. Uh, I'm not sure if they're allowing professional or not, but uh, like a lot of the other places, like Saskatchewan, for instance, you can have professional fighting. But you can't have amateur fighting. <laughs> of course, right? You know, like of they'll, course. Allow, they'll allow professional <laughs> MMA. Um, oh, yeah. But, and I'm not sure about the sanctioning fees and whatnot, if it's, if it's too onerous to, to really uh, let anybody do it. But uh, they won't allow amateur, amateur kickboxing and amateur Muay Thai. So all the people that are training in that have to go elsewhere to fight. Right. You're never going to be able to fight at home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, brutal. Brutal. Um, <clears throat> um, can you give me your top, let's say, a couple, two, three, four, five, as an official... Um, fights, or let's say referee, fights that, uh, that stand out in your mind, like when you say, hey, when you think of all these fights, what are the three that stand out? Is there any? You know, if I, if I don't even ask that question, I would have thought about it and wrote it down. Sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, like, uh, I'm trying to think. There's not, there's so many of the fights that I've seen that you kind of forget sure. who's who unless you really go back and look through the program, but... Is there but, any one? Any one fight that stands out? Anything weird happen? You know, uh, well, there's, there's some weird ones that happened. But, sure. You know, we had a we had a fight card in, in Winnipeg where, uh, uh, you know, we almost had a riot. Oh, good. Uh, things like that. Um, there, there, there's a lot of things, a lot of interesting things that happened in Winnipeg over the over the years of the fight cards. But, uh, um, yeah, I can't I can't think of any one particular fight mm. that stands out yeah. from other ones. But like as of late, you know, we got some really fantastic fighters like uh, Tim Lowe. You know, he really, he really stands out. Yep. Uh, you know, obviously, he's, he's been around for a while. Guys like Derek Jolvet. Yep. Um, Shout out to know, those guys. Um, who's our, our, our current ones uh, are for the for the Road to One. Jake. Yeah, Jake Peacock, for instance. You know, very yep. very unusual fighter. Uh, yep. Cody Jerome. Yep. Uh, all the all that bunch. You know, they're all they're all so good. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and it, it, I was just thinking about this the other day. Like, all sports evolve. Um, you know, the, the swimming today is better than the swimming was 50 years ago. Right. The running's better, the whatever's better. But, like, you know, the martial arts, you really see the, the, how it's evolved. Um, the, the amateurs that we have today are way better than the pros were right. 30 years ago. Right. You know? And, of course, they have the benefit of, 
of you know different technique they can they can research stuff they don't you know they can maybe go online they can they can reach out to other schools uh you know that sort of thing but i mean all, all sports do evolve but boy you can sure see it if you've been involved in the one thing for, for 45 50 or i've been mean 47 years you can really see the difference yeah yeah no kidding now I, i'm gonna put that in my cap i i, I do want to i do want to address that right away but i did have an officiating question since since you know all the gyms and i mean um, you know, gym owners, gym owners around here, right? I mean, it, it, yeah. Do you? How do you? I know you can, and I know you have to, but do you find it hard, or how do you separate like emotion in the ring, like as a referee, like you know, like you know what I mean? You're, you're there to do a job. You're there to do the best job you can. Hopefully, at least that's the attitude you know, I approach right. it with. And you know, again, you might know just about everybody in the in the you know in the circuit because we you know it's a small it's a small family kind of thing. Right. So you know, I I would know just about everybody at least the instructors. And you know, you might be friends, you might be acquaintances outside the ring, but in the ring, you know, here's the rules, here's the way it works. You know, I enforce the rules. Right. You know, it's it's much like say being a police officer. Here's the law. I'm here. I'm the instrument. I have to enforce the law, and That's the it. law is the law, and rules are the rules. It's right. Just, I'm just not the, the law. I just enforce it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So here's my curious question. I'm sure that there's been many of times where you've been the referee and you you you, you do your thing, and the guy the fighters come in the ring, and I I, I mean I, I'm not I'm not trying to throw anyone into it, but you must sometimes look at people or know people and be like, oh man, this poor kid's gonna get absolutely wrecked. Well, yeah. I mean, you can make a judgment call. Yeah. It's like they always say, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you know, if you judge enough book, enough books, enough covers, you can That's you get it. pretty get good the at idea. it. Yeah. You know? But you know, they're Just there. They're they're trained. They're 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 medically checked out. That's and, right. You know, you don't know if they're trained. You don't know right. Right. Yeah. That's it. That's and it. Just do your job. You no, know, but yeah, you can you can often tell, kind of you know, with experience, who's going to prevail. But yeah. once in a while, you get a big surprise. Sure do. Best part of the fight game. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did have a question from Ken Sumner from Arashido who did uh, who asked. Um, uh, what uh, I wrote it down. I forgot to bring it. Speaking of the old training methods and the, the evolution of the game, what do you see are the, the top things, the, the top few things that have changed from maybe the old school training method to the new school, or where do you see a different train of thought? I know it's easy to say, like the internet and stuff, and of course that's true, but where do you see the biggest differences, and where do you think they kind of they happened? Um, one of them is in cutting weight. People know a lot more now about cutting weight. Is not the truth. Doing it safely. Um, Doing it you know, quickly and safely. Well, sometimes it's not as safe, but you know, right. there's, there's a lot more knowledge about that now. Sorry, yeah, weight weight cutting there, right? Yeah, um, you know, so weight cutting is, is one that you really really notice. Um, you know, and and that can be both good and bad in the sense that you know a fighter can you know they can weigh in one day and come in 20 pounds heavier the next day, and and so I think there's been or, there's some organizations now that have taken steps to. You know, right. to, to to limit that, which which is not only important for the safety of the other fighter, but also for the for the safety of the person cutting the weight. Because if you know you cut weight too drastically, you know it can be very hard on your body. Right. So and and again, uh, people uh, learning, you know, and sharing technical technical skills, training skills. Uh, you know, um, for instance, we used to uh, emphasize running. You'd run and run and run and run and run and for endurance and. You know, running is important, but you know things. I think like intense pad work and intense uh, you know, drilling stuff like that. That that kind of uh, we've, we've learned over the years is, is better for for cardio for fighting. Right, uh, sport you know, specific. You you can run a long, long ways, but if you're running at the same pace, that's not the same as if you've got to go blasting away. You know, for for th three minutes inside the ring or two minutes. You know, that's right. You got to go in little bursts and stuff like that. So, you know, the the just the the knowledge of how to train is is really evolved. 
Yeah, yeah. What was weight cutting like back in your day when you were fighting? <laughs> I didn't cut much weight. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I had a heck of a time with it. Um, mostly I fought at the weight I walked around at. Oh, okay. And so as I got bigger, that became a problem because, uh, you know, I was so like fighting at 150 pounds and fighting guys like, like Chad Sawyer. Right. And Chad Sawyer is about six foot two. Right, right. And uh, 150 pounds. So that, you know, like if I had known about cutting weight back then, I could have stayed as a 135 pounder maybe or, or fought at 135 pounds. But, but yeah, like I, I had an awful time trying to cut any. And I remember being at a certain card, uh, and I won't say who, but uh, I came in just a couple pounds light, or sorry, a couple pounds heavy. And uh, they made me go and uh, sweat and chew gum and this and that and the other thing. Of course. And then I, I find out later, you know, it was only like two pounds and, and it wasn't, uh, actually, I was still within the division, but they, they, you know, they kind of, but yeah, doing it Dude like that, can, that's, yeah. that's, that's tough to do, like the, the day of the fight, right? But, yeah, yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Um, what's your thoughts on weight cutting period? As far as a coach, as an official, um, do, you, do you find there's a healthy amount? Uh, it, it seems like, at least to me in the MMA game, uh, not, not game, but, in the MMA aspect, fight world, that it's almost like a weight-cutting game. The, the goal is, let's see how much you can cut. Yeah. Like, and it seems to be kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. Well, I mean, again, it, it's, it, I, I think it's, it's somewhat unfair, um, being that, you know, a person could be, they could have a walk-around weight, you know, of 185 pounds, and, you know, they, they cut 30 pounds, right? Right. And, and so, uh, and maybe maybe their opponent doesn't do that, right? So yeah. maybe the opponent is, is naturally small or, or smaller or whatever. I, I think, you know, well, I'm in favor of them being able to do it a little bit. I, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure where I stand. But to, to me, it's, it's like you, you're, you're something and you're trying to be something else. Why don't you just fight it at, the, at that Agreed. weight or, clo- or closer to it anyway? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Do you think that I, I know this is a uh, um, do you watch MMA, the UFC? I do. Yeah. Perfect. I, I assume so. I don't follow it closely because, I, you know, I got so much martial arts in my life that when, uh, when, I'm, not, when I'm not training and teaching, and reffing and you know the stuff I don't I don't I'm not religious about it, but yeah, I tend yeah, to watch it. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, which is just the right amount. Do you think there needs to be more weight classes in the UFC? They could use them. I know we certainly have a lot more in, in, in Muay Thai. We have a lot more in, in boxing. You know, yeah. I think uh, that that that's probably part of the problem. You know, with all the cutting is that you you got to be here, you got to be there. There's no in between. Right. Right. You know, so that that's that's probably what's what's led to that right my my whole argument with that like i i'm i'm on message boards and stuff and people are like no it waters it down then you can have too many people fighting in weird divisions but i understand these i think it's like five weight classes or six total and i understand when this was back in a fringe sport back in the day but so many people it's so mainstream now that you're telling me there shouldn't be a division between 185 and 205 there's nobody that can fight in there yeah exactly. that's madness you know yeah, that's 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 thirty pounds difference, right? So, yeah, it's crazy. Or yeah. no, it's like it's 20, 20 pounds difference. But, but yeah, like if in, in boxing or in kickboxing or in Muay Thai, there'd be a division for sure. There yeah. might be a couple divisions. That's right. Yeah, silly. I, I personally think that might help stop some of the weight cutting. Now I know people say, well, they'll do it anyway and jump divisions. Well, okay. I don't. I, I'm not beyond that. Sorry. Yeah, Too I mean, many layers for me. Can't fix everything. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> what? Um, no, so that uh, sorry, that was the weight cutting. I, I know a lot. Of, I had a few people ask me. I told them I was coming up today, and they, and they always want to know about the differences between then and now. Um, and you know, you touched a good one too. The beginners, right? The amateurs. Uh, I always thought of it as, as sort of like just just go in there and get your beak wet. And I know you're going to jump spin, and I know you're going to do all these things. But we know as coaches, you're not going to. You're going to get on there and gas in the first thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll talk about how to progress. But but I agree that 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 sort of mentality seems a little bit gone. I see first time fighters hopping around, looking comfortable, and I'm like. Damn, Chris McMillan with 50 fights doesn't even look that comfortable. <laughs> well, and, and Chris McMillan is another extraordinary fighter. But, uh, you know, um, again, the benefit of having, 
experience, the benefit of having, uh, you know, better training methods. It, it, not everything's an experiment anymore. Like, I mean, That's it's an experiment when you, you, when somebody hasn't done it before, but, it, but, you know, it's a tried and true methods. Whereas before it was a lot of, um, well, let's do this, let's try that, and, and uh, you know, kind of hope it works. Yeah. And, you know, again, the technical skills that people are able to, 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 to use now, like, it, it's, I mean, it's just, it's the natural evolution, but of course, there's more schools, there's more people that are experienced from, from, from the past. That's right. And so, you know, everything, everything, you know, evolves a little bit more because of that. Yeah, yeah. And, and even, even the gyms themselves, like, like martial arts schools are a business now. They're not just right. dungeons where people fight. These are businesses. Um, I, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I, in my opinion, one of the big differences is I always thought, even the UFC, the early UFCs, I always saw them as fighters first and athletes second. And I feel like that switched. It's now athletes are first, and you kind of learn to become a fighter. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah I mean, you, and a lot of people start out, they have no intention of being a competitive fighter, and they want to just do it for fitness or whatever. And then, you know, they think, oh, maybe I'd like to try that, right? So they, you know, they approach it differently. Uh, right. whereas, whereas in the early days of any of this stuff, you know, you, the ones that would, would fight, especially like the, the ring sports, you know, you, you didn't, there wasn't too many that just kind of, you know, evolved into it. They kind of had an idea they wanted to be a fighter and then, Here's how I become a fighter. Maybe right. I became a boxer or became a kickboxer or, or something. You know, that's they, right. They were the kind of people that weren't scared to fight in the first place. That's right. You know? That's right. And, and, and turn into that. Yeah, that, that's a kind of the evolution I see. And now, of course, with, with uh, YouTube and, and, and all this kind of stuff, was there a lot of cross-training back in the day? Like, I know you said, like, you, you share technical, but if there's no, no YouTube or whatever, um, did you guys, was it like, you know, hey, we don't, we don't, you stick to your gym and you learn the techniques on your own? Yeah, that, that was, you know, something that was much less prevalent than it is now. Like, you know, people didn't go to other people's gyms, not much. I mean, you might have friends in a couple different gyms and stuff like that. And train. Right. Uh, but, yeah, things were very closely guarded and uh, there, there wasn't a whole, a, lot, a whole lot of friendly inter intercourse between the different schools and stuff like that. Huh. Um, you know, like I said, I was very fortunate that uh, Sensei Peter uh, t taught me and, you know, allowed me to come there. But, uh, and we, we had met previous to that, so we sort of knew each other. Right, okay. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot of people now that, and, and this is something that I'm not really a fan of, but they tend to hop from school to school to school, and, and schools let them do that. Yeah. And, you know, in some cases, I mean, if you're doing something totally different, like if you, if you were training with me and you wanted to do jiu-jitsu, okay, well, that's fine. But, yep. you know, I... I'm not a big fan of people going to two or three different, you know, Muay Thai schools. Right. And, and keep, to, I mean, if you have to move somewhere, you have to go to a different school. That's, that's a right. different story. Right. But, uh, right. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of people hopping from gym to gym to gym. Yep. I, I agree. And the fact that, uh, like, let's say you're training at, well, even two, but three, three Muay Thai gyms just to make it a little easier. And then it's, it's a, it all comes down to, in my opinion, this one easy question. So who's in the corner? Yeah. And exactly. then the fights start. Right. And you know, if you're successful, uh, you know, who do you, who do you give credit to? That's right. No, I mean, you give it to yourself, I suppose. And if, right. you, if you believe in God, give it to God. But at the yep. same time, there should be somebody that uh, you, you would call your teacher. That's right. You know? That's right. And, and, and you know, be given that that respect. I can admit that I have a little. I know it's just part of the business, and and I've heard a lot of people. You invest in yourself, but I admit it's 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 tough to like, you know, get so. It happens so often. People, you give up your life, you know, to, to train fighters, and I'm happy to do it. I, I love doing it. I love the sport. I love all that good stuff. But then they go, they just. They, well, they don't even say goodbye. They just don't come back. And you're like, what the hell happened? I, I miss my kid's birthday for you. Yeah. You know, like, I, I admit as I get a little older, it's a little harder to convince me to train people for fights. Like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, 
this is the kind of thing again that uh, you know should be held held dear. You know, one should should revere and, and respect the people that taught them. You know, I have my 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 you know kickboxing instructors. I've got my my karate instructors. You know, and still to this day, if somebody says, you know, who's your karate sensei, I can say that right away. If somebody says, you know, who's your biggest influence in Muay Thai or kickboxing, I can say that right away. Sure. You know. Yes, sir. Yeah, and and, and I have a sense of pride in that. Like, like I, I was really excited to. Uh, 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 Talk to Sensei Gill. I mean, even to call you Lyle and Gill to me sounds like calling your 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 uncle Derek. Like, hey Derek, like it just sounds <laughs> weird to me, right? I, same thing. You, you, I, I know those who were before me, and 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 just the memories uh, along the way. Um, what, what's your thoughts on on? So, you, are you officiating on the twenty fifth? Do you even know that at this yes. time? Okay, so you can't give us predictions. That's the road to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be on that one. All right. So yeah, and I, and I could I could tell you what I think, but I'm not going to tell you what I think. <laughs> I fully understand. <laughs> um, okay, then let's move on from there. Yeah. Uh, what's your thoughts on this now that you've been an, an official, and I'm sure you watch it as well? About uh, I, I always ask this question. I don't want to call it entertainment Muay Thai anymore because it just it just seems like what Muay Thai is now. But the five rounds, the interesting scoring system, um, the traditional system versus kind of what we're seeing now. Uh, do you have a preference? What's your thoughts between the two? The technical changes? Um, you know what? Again, I think it's it's, it's all for the better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I'm I'm not a big fan of the idea that, for instance, in Muay Thai, the first two rounds don't count. Kind oh, that's of thing. brutal. I don't like that. Yeah. I think you know. And then they were, you know, when when people came over from from Thailand, they were they were surprised to hear that, you know, they're going to fight hard the whole five rounds. You know, so just be aware of that. Don't right. come out, you know, playing around because the guys in Canada don't do that. That's right. Don't roll your um, shorts up. You know, it's a five-round fight. If if it's, if you're not going to screw all five rounds, make it a three-round fight. Right. You know? Right. Or, right. Even or for th- the fans, right? Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. No, and you know this this uh, the the new thing where they're trying uh, to use the uh, four-ounce gloves. That that's uh, I was I was kind of dubious about what that would look like, but mm-hmm. you know it's it's it makes for some good action. It's sure does. It changes the game a bit. Yeah. But you know it's. Uh, the, I think that's it's not a bad way to go. I don't think that's for everybody. Agreed. But uh, you know, because those things are pretty unforgiving. But uh, they, it's made for some excellent fights so far. Yeah, yeah. And even even here, uh, uh, like I know, I, was, I think I was sitting beside you commentating, and I lost. My, I'm losing my mind. Cody Jerome and uh, Tyson Green. <laughs> uh, um, so that was the quarter. I mean, we talked about the evolution of the game. Uh, that was the quarterfinals, and we saw people get dropped like there was a sniper in the crowd. Yes. Immediately in the semifinals, that changed. Like people were way more cautious. They weren't running in when people were getting knocked down. Like it, I, I was amazed that people just the evolution from one event to the next. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was it was insane. Yeah, and you know the thing about it, uh, it, I mean, it changes the way you, you guard yourself with those little gloves. They don't cover as much. Uh, right. They, uh, again, you got to be much more accurate to hit with them. Like when you do hit, they hit very hard. That's but, true. But you know, boxing gloves get a large surface; they can catch you. You know, where a fist might not catch you the same, might slide by. Right. And, uh, yeah, you could see that uh, right away there was a bit of a, a learning curve there from the first time to the second time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because I've, I've always said, and, and you know, no, no offense to, to, you know, MMA, uh, those guys, but in, in that uh, type, the, those strikers are probably not the most sophisticated strikers in the world compared to Muay Thai fighters. Yes. Uh, it's just not their thing. they they got to do a little bit of everything. So, I mean, there's some very good strikers, but these guys are um, you know the elite strikers and when you got small gloves like that and they're the elite strikers then the results are amazing yeah yeah every four uh friday i watch them every friday morning and they're fun on youtube live oh it's great um however i could say that i'm not a if i had to choose i for as a fan i like it but i to be honest i like the i don't know if i like the four ounce gloves um 
what if and and I get it from entertainment and 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 you know Thailand Muay Thai was was really low for a while till you know one championship kind of came along, but um now it's become it sort of looks a little bit if I'm being a little judgmental like a punch a kind of a messy punch flurry because they know those little gloves can probably slide in there off a kick and stuff and I feel like it's uh it's taken away some of the beauty of Muay Thai it's definitely increased the action. But I feel like it's taken away some of the beauty of, of the, the back and forth and the counter and, and stuff of Muay Thai. Um, what's your thoughts on the four-ounce gloves? Well, you know what? I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I, I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not against them. Um, I, I think it has the potential maybe to eat up fighters. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, lots of cuts, yeah. lots of breaks. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, and if you get enough of those things, that can, that can be an early end to your career. Um, but it, it does change the game somewhat. Uh, we're also seeing... Uh, number of thumbs to the eyes and stuff like That's that, true. Uh, or even just fingers because the you know loose hand position. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if, from that regard, I prefer a closed, decent sized glove. Even if you went to you know eight ounce glove as opposed to ten ounce glove, mm. uh, it's, it's it's still more of a boxing glove. So yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not uh, totally sold either way on it yet. Yeah. But I mean, it's something that, by and large, you can't really have most fighters doing that because again. It, it would uh, it would eat them up pretty quickly. That's, that's right, and and maybe because of the brutality and the, the specialization of the stand-up fighters. But it's funny how I just realized, sitting here, how I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know if I maybe I prefer the boxing gloves. But if you go, hey, what do you think of uh, MMA and the little gloves? I'm like, oh, it's, it's great. It's totally normal. Yeah, <laughs> different different game though, right? You, yeah. you can you can slow the fight down. You can you can you that's know, true. If, you, if you're getting battered, you can you can you can clinch. You can you take them to the ground stuff like that. So they're not taking the volume of hits right. generally. Good call. And again. You don't, there's no eight counts in MMA. So if you get put you know, in a bad position and you're getting hurt, you get stopped. That's true. Whereas you have a lot more opportunity to get beat up and hurt, you know, right. where you got three, three opportunities, you know, three eight counts and yeah. stuff like that. So, right. yeah, I mean, both good and bad, but it's not going to be for everybody. That's right. It's, it's, That's not, right. it's not going to be, uh, it's not going to uh, go across the board and start changing things where, where they're, they're abandoning boxing gloves. Yeah, 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 I agree. Um, uh, I, I just had another question here as far as one championship. I was just thinking about, um, oh, BKFC, bare knuckle fighting, uh, bare knuckle boxing. I'm, I'm assuming you've seen some of this recently. I've seen a little bit, yeah. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's, it's sort of uh, reminds me of those so you think you're tough contests they used <laughs> totally, to have. Totally. You know, um, again, you get some decent fighters competing in it, yep. but uh, yeah, to me, you're not, you're not getting the high-level people ever competing in that. Right. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting curiosity, yeah, you know, but... Yeah. Uh, uh, it's 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 more it's more just that I think it's it's sort of a, a freak show a spectacle has that underground feeling it does yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, so you know uh, it's 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 not something that uh, you know you wouldn't want to say take the kids to or something like that right but, right and again good way to wreck people wreck your hands wreck people uh, you know not that you can't get wrecked doing what we do but right. uh, you know it's 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 just yeah it's, it yeah it's just a curiosity I think more than anything else so as a longtime official around here do you think that could ever be done around here. I would highly doubt that any any sanctioning body would, yeah. would sanction that. Yeah. You know, it, it it's. Uh, I suppose they. I suppose they could. Uh, I don't know if they would. Right. You'd, you'd have to. You'd have to speak long and hard and, and uh, talk to a lot of people and 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 you know make a lot of speeches. I think to, to get a commission to sign off on that because obviously sure. no amateur uh, people are going to be doing it. And, That's right. And you know the professional commissions. You know, they're, they're, I think they're pretty comfortable with what they do. They do boxing, they do MMA, they do Muay Thai, you know, kickboxing, mm. which are you know, recognized, uh, you know, regulated. Uh, right. And I guess there are regulations for bare knuckles too, but it's, it's a little bit more fast and loose, I think. Is there, an, is there like a, 
like I, I I'm still a little unsure on the officiating side. Is there like an Alberta like board or is it like municipal like Calgary, Edmonton? Like I don't I don't know how that works really. Uh, as I, far as the officials, um, sanctioning commissions. Well, the sanction. Well, you know we have you have the Calgary Combative, Combative Sports Commission, uh, Edmonton as well, and there's also a provincial one uh, like a there central is, eh? one. Actually, I think there's a commission out of Penhold as well. Oh, okay, and okay. Penhold. I don't think they ever had a card in Penhold, but they they'll they'll you know they'll uh, lend themselves to to other you know municipalities. Lethbridge mm. has done that on occasion for places that don't have a, uh, a commission because I see you you for if it's going to be a pro fight, you have to have a commission. Uh-huh. Some somebody's commission, you know, and so you know another city can oversee it if if you know if they want to. But. I see, I see, and so that was my next question. And so like the the, the Calgary and Edmonton worked together. I know nothing about this side of like the sport. I don't really know a lot about what they what they do together. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that obviously the commission members, a lot of them know each other because they're, they're working in the same circles. Right, right. Yeah. Like, like, it's going to be extreme, but let's say Edmonton goes, uh, hey, man, this guy can't fight for whatever reason, and Calgary gives him the finger, F you, nope, he can fight over here. Like, does, does that, you know what I mean? Like, is it... Typically, they don't do that. Like, like do they work together, yeah, kind of thing? Like I see, any, I see. any kind of a, a suspension for, well, injury is the most common one, you know, knockouts. Yeah. Uh, those suspensions would be recognized by pretty much all commissions the same way. I see. I think once in a while, people slip through the cracks a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a, a death in Edmonton there a few years back. Um, and, uh, you know, that might have been one that kind of slipped through the cracks. I don't yeah. think anything was intentional. No, uh, but, no. But, you know, a lot of, you know, these people are not always doing this as their main, you know, uh, of job. They, you know, they got other things on, you know, going on. And so, you know, things yep. do slip through the cracks. But, yeah, like most missions would, would respect each other's yeah. uh, sanctions. I think they're pretty much standard across the board over the country. Yeah, and shout out to Tim Hag. Unfortunately, I mean, I've seen him fight a few times, got trained a few times, and uh, as I explained to some people, you know, we're not reading books at the library, are we? Like, this is the fight game, and you know, there's an element of risk. That's it. You know, fairly big. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. You know, I, mean, I wouldn't like I tell my students, I wouldn't call what we do dangerous, but it has risks. Yes, yes. So and train, train properly, so you don't increase those risks. That's you know? right. Yeah. Hence my... Don't want to blow a knee. That's right. <laughs> yeah, th- you know what's funny about this? Everybody feels worse about my knee than I do. I always... Uh, I'm sure you're probably the same, but being a small business owner, I feel like after I get up and have my cup of coffee, if I sit down and watch TV, I'm like, man, I, I got to do this. I should be doing that. Like, I, you know, I, I feel like I got to be doing something. Yeah. So it's nice to just like... Not only am I sitting on a couch and watching this other thing they call sports, like football, but like... What am I going to do? You're supposed to be. That's right. Might as well just sit here. Like, it's a nice feeling. <laughs> I found that very, very hard to do this past winter. I had a, a knee replacement, and and uh, you could do nothing but sit and watch TV, and you're, that's all you were supposed to be doing, and it was... Got real good at watching sports, eh? Yes, yes. <laughs> I've always fantasized about retirement, and I told people I could sit and watch TV for months at a time. It would be easy, no problem, and after three days, I was going insane. <laughs> Can you... I know we talked about this off-air. How many knee surgeries do you have? Uh, 21. 21 surgeries. I'm going for the record. Nice. Are you close? Uh, no, I know another fellow. He's got, well, probably more than that, but he's probably got 25 by now. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's, not, it's not really a record that really one wants to, wants to have, no, wants to own. but martial artists do always compete. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, again, sometimes there's hazards. That's you know, it. I've had a little, little bit of bad luck with regards to that kind of mm. thing, but, uh, you know, it's, it's what you get for, for being the point of this beer. Right, right. You know, listen to your body. You know, make, make sure that, you know, you're, you're thinking a little bit down the road. You know, your body is kind of a, a finite resource. And, and you know, if, if, you're, if you're getting constantly injured and stuff like that, particularly, say, uh, concussions, you know, one, right. one has to maybe take a step back and look, you know, you know 30 years from now, do I want to be able to hide my own, my own Easter eggs or things like that? Right. Um, <laughs> You know, take take time to do take time to do other things, other things you, you would enjoy. Like I, I always regret uh, not having traveled 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I should have, you know, when I was younger, uh, gone, you know, places, you know, Thailand, things like that. Right. Uh, just other places. But I was always, you know, always had a school and I was, you know, worried that I couldn't leave it with anybody. And then over COVID, you know, when we had to, you know, I had to take uh, some other employment for a while, you know, and had to leave with other people, you realize, geez, I could have done this. You know, there were, I could, it could have been done. What was that like for you? So, like, like you know, when we talked about it off air here, like, we, this is our lives and you broke that for a little bit and did something different. What, what was that like? Um, it's very stressful. Very yeah, stressful. yeah. Like, uh, being that, you know, you're doing, you're doing a new, a new job. Uh, I'm working as a, a security contractor at a gold mine, uh, which was, you know, interesting having, you know, a new position, but uh, yeah. then you're worried about your business back home. How is it doing? You know, how is it going? And, and right. you know, you're, you're worried about, you know, this is a, something we've never, ever encountered before. So you're, you're wondering, you know, my, my life, the, the way I've lived my life for the last 30 years, suddenly, you know, it's gone. It means you know? nothing. And, and yeah. And, and, you know, you, you, you have a, a building that you still have to keep paying for and things like that. But you're not allowed in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah, that was, uh, I would say, among the, you know, the top couple stressful things I've ever endured in sure. my life. But, but yeah, like, you know, like I say, for the advice, you know, listen to your body, take the time to do the stuff you need, you want to do besides fighting and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you think it's, uh, um, do you think it's worth, and like I said, just living in the moment for fighters, that fighters should be uh, setting themselves up post-fight, like, you know, post-fight life, or do, you, do you have any thoughts on that? Just just go until the wheels come off, or is it be aware of these things? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what, you know, what your skill set is. I mean, uh, not everybody can teach for a living. That's true. Um, so, and again, the chances of making a good living fighting, yeah, not, not, not really high. Miracle um, if you make it. Yeah. Miracle. Yeah, so, you know, you have to make sure that you're, you're thinking of the future. You know, I mean, again, most young people, it's hard to get them to think of the future. It's hard to get them saved. It's hard to get them to invest. Um, That's right. But, you know, that, you know, the time goes by quickly. It sure does. Just yesterday, you know. 25 years old and, and uh, you know, eat, eat, eat lightning and poop thunder kind of That's thing. It. But, uh, you know, the time goes by quick. And now we're racing for knee surgery records. That's right. Huh? <laughs> um, now, back in the day, I, while I think about this, you had a phenomenal karate team of black belts that could do crazy ninja stuff. Jump, flip, you know, their cars were cool, weapons and all that. Um, where did all that come from? Like, th- that, that, was, that was specific to you and your gym. I, like, uh, Julius Latorco and, yeah. you know... Uh, Alex Capicio. Alex Capicio, thank you. Um, how, did, how, did, how did that... I'm assuming a lot of that maybe came from a Taekwondo background as far as the, the nice kicks and stuff, but these uh, guys could flip and do all kinds of stuff. Well, just, you know, you get good, good, material, good material to work with. You know, just talented, talented athletes. And, uh, you know, we see it, the same thing in, in ring sports and in, in kickboxing, Muay Thai. Uh, you know, you get some people that are just naturals that just take to it. You know, like like they they should they're meant to do it, right? Right. So you get right. guys like that that just you know they they again they can do it. Show them once they could do it. That's right. You know? and, but you also trained they like they did all every weapons caught. I remember that from your gym. Was that something that you did? Like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. We I did mainly bow and and, and sword and stuff like that. Right, but, right. You know, and then you, you show them, and then they take it and well, let's try something else. Let's do this. And right. Pretty soon it's like wow, you know. Right. That evolves. And that's what you sort of miss as like a young teenager, right? I, I mean, Mike Bondy talk, and he's and he's right. You know, you you put a helmet up on the on a blastmaster, and you just kick the helmet off with as many different kicks as you could. Keep raising it up before you know it. It's one in the morning. Yeah, you know, yeah. you throw ten thousand kicks. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's got to be fun. I mean, that's the, what most of us are in it for. It's, it's you know, no, nobody likes to get in there and you know work work their balls off. You got to we're there because it's fun. That's right. You know, that's right. You have to do that. In addition to it, right? Do you have a favorite weapon you like to practice? Uh, I love the sword. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I recall as well. Yeah, Th- thinking of you with the sword. Um, now, do you have a? Can you give me your? Just as we get to the end here, I don't take up too much time. 
What would you say your top three fighters were, are, were, are from your era of fighting and maybe your top three fighters of today? Hmm. I would say um, guys that were competing with me, uh, Roy Lilly. Roy Lilly. Yeah, uh, Chad Sawyer. <clears throat> nice. And, uh, Shout out to Chad and Roy. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of some, somebody else that I ended up competing with. Eve Philidor Jr. Oh, yeah. He's yep. still around Calgary. Sure he, he was a good, like a, like, a, like a smaller version of Mike Tyson. That's it. Uh, yeah, uh, tank. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I, ended up, I fought Roy uh, in, the, in the late 80s, or early 90s, and actually I, I, I beat Roy, but Roy went on to become extraordinarily good. Yeah, like yeah. He went on to become world champion. He was just kind of, he was just coming up then. I was a little bit older than him, but, uh, yeah, Chad and I always joke. Uh, Chad taught me the importance of understanding uh, that a person is left-handed. Well, you're left-handed too, aren't yes, you? Sir. Yeah. But yeah, Chad taught me that that very important lesson. I didn't <laughs> I didn't know about that until okay. till we fought. Yeah. And uh, you know, it never never even occurred to me that it made any difference whether you're left-handed or right-handed until you got in the ring. Is that right? Yeah. Hey? And uh, yeah, he he imparted that lesson to me for about four rounds. Really? Yeah, what, what was it that was catching you? Just everything comes off the wrong everything side. Left. Everything. Yeah. Everything. And and tall and good. Yep. And, and uh, yeah, he. I always tell people that's the worst beating I've ever taken anywhere, whether in the ring or in the street or anywhere, was, was Chad Sawyer. So Is that sh- right? Yeah, shout out to Chad. Yeah. Damn, shout yeah. out to Chad. Yeah. yeah. No, I, and I just couldn't figure it out. Like, you know, like you just couldn't keep making or couldn't stop making whatever mistake you're making because it was all coming off the wrong side. Right. And it was coming from, it was invisible, you know, because right. it was the wrong side. And uh, he, <laughs> yeah, he, he worked me over good, but he taught me a good lesson because, you know, after that, you know, I... You take that Things and you change. learn. You, right. you take your take your swollen head back and uh, you know, <laughs> think about what you've done. Rewatch, ask yeah. WTF, and continue on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about of today? You have any favorite fighters yeah. of today? Well, you know, boxing, MMA, anything. Yeah, I mean, I don't watch a lot of boxing. To tell you the truth, other than say, like Pacquiao was really you know, yeah. really great, and yeah. he's kind of just about done now. So we got. You know, MMA, I haven't really watched very closely for the last couple of years. It, 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 there's started to be so much of it. So many UFCs are on that you kind of you kind of lost the interest yep. for it unless yep, you're actually too. involved in it. Yep. Uh, but, you know, and around here, like, again, we got guys like Peacock and Jerome. Um, yep. You know, you know so, such a good bunch just, you know, from, from Western Canada. And then, you know, th- these guys they'll go on to do amazing things. Yeah. You know, like this is uh, just, just the beginning right now. We're, we're seeing, we're seeing uh, like I say, everything evolves. Now you can really see it evolve. Yeah, no, no kidding. World, eh? world scale. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, do you have a student of the podcast for us? Uh, sorry? A student of the podcast? If there's a student you want to give a shout out to? Um, right now, one of my students, uh, Owen Gadiano, is going to be competing at the WKC World Championships at the end of October. Oh, nice. Where's that? Yeah. Uh, it's going to be, I think, in Orlando, Florida. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah. So he's, he worked really hard over the last couple of years. He's been with me since, well, he's, he's 17 now. He's been with me for about 10 years. Okay, and, nice. And uh, yes, he's going to be uh, part of Team Canada competing at this WKC Championship. So, Beauty. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a very, very dedicated black belt. Nice. And what's his name again? Owen Gadiano. Oh, um, I'll go with the first name. Owen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shout out to you, buddy. Awesome. Do you have any, uh, uh, just before, I'm, I don't want to, I know you're a busy man, but uh, anything else before we're out of here? I'm just trying to run through my head here. There's a, there's a thousand things I could ask here. Do you have a favorite fight of yours? You know, I had a real good one in Calgary, and I actually still have it on video. I just seem to have misplaced the tape, but it's somewhere in my house. But there's a fellow out of Regina, and it's one of my very first fights. And uh, again, uh, they they were telling him you better watch for his spinning back kick. He's like, I'm not worried about any spinning back kick, you know, ha ha ha. And right right on video, spinning back kick, or actually jump spinning back kick, and then side kick to the face and knock <laughs> cold, knocked out cold. That was that was probably the best one that I've ever had on video. Um, you know, after that, other other ones are okay, but you know, nice. it was nothing nothing as dramatic as that. You know, even even though 
back then. And like I said, technique probably wasn't as good as, as it, what it should have been, but it, it, was, it was one of those ones you can look back and it's like, oh yeah, that's, that worked exactly the way it should, exactly at the right time. It should, right. So. Psychic to the face will make you look different. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right on. Yeah. But, uh, but again, that's, that's one thing, you know, if somebody, so if somebody gives you a warning or a little bit of advice about somebody, you should never just discard it, right? Like, there you go. You, know, eh? you, may not, you may not have to believe it wholeheartedly, but you should always keep it in your yeah, mind. Don't anyway. throw it away. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, uh, now, how about, you know, we talked about the Western Canadian Karate Championships, yeah? Yes. Um, is that something that's still going to go on? I, I know COVID disrupted everything, but but is that something you're still looking at doing? I know, how long did it go on for? And Well, it's been running continuously since 1979. That is crazy. And then, other than two years of COVID, you know, so, right, so we, right. ran it, we ran it this year in 2023. That's we right. also ran it last year, last year in 2022, so we missed... Uh, 2020 and 2021. Right, right. And uh, yeah, the plans are for it to go on this this coming year as well. Do you know of any martial arts tournament that's been around longer? Or? No, no. Yeah, like no, I'm not even talking Canada. Not, just period. Well, I mean, in in the states, yeah, there's is ones there? that have been around a lot longer. Okay, than that. okay. But this is the a I, lot longer. Yeah, really. I would, I would think the Diamond Nationals, things like that, the uh, Long Beach Open, oh, the Long Beach call, Open, you know, since the 60s and stuff right. like that. But uh, yeah, as, as far as I know, and I haven't had anybody correct me so far, this is the longest continuously running open tournament. Uh, in the country. Damn, uh, that's uh, awesome. Somebody might come back and say, well, we, you know, this organization has had this one going for this long, but, you know, this is the longest continuously running open one. So, right. Well, yeah. until then, where are you? So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right on. I'll, I'll, if, I'm, if I'm wrong, then correct me. There you go. Uh, where can we find you? Social media, website, any good stuff like that? Yeah, we have our website, uh, We're on We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Perfect. Uh, All under Chini Karate? Yeah. Awesome. Right. Awesome. Any last words before out of here? I uh, can't think of anything, but, but uh, th right. thanks for having me. Hey, uh, I was really excited to do this. I let everybody know I was doing this, so now i got to put up all the pictures that I download, and you're doing cool karate moves and stuff. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Thank you very much, sir. Uh, all right, guys, that's going to be the second podcast for the week. Um, who the hell knows what's next? We'll see you around the corner. Peace. I can kick you down, but if